Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Today's text covers Genesis 18. So the passage starts off with Abraham sitting at the door of his tent, and he lifts up his eyes, and he sees these three men standing in front of him. And what's interesting is how Abraham responds to these men. The text tells us that he runs to them, and then he bows himself to the earth. Now, as we know from different Bible studies, men in this ancient culture, they simply did not run. So it wasn't becoming of a man, and the fact that he bows himself down to the earth is a sign of deep respect, probably beyond what would have been expected of him, even in a culture where hospitality and treating strangers with with honor was expected as well as highly commended as a virtue. What Abraham does here seems to show that he somehow knows that these men must be divine. So the attention to detail here is provided in terms of the provision. The text tells us that three says of fine flour, a young calf was prepared, curds and milk were provided, and the text even describes how Abraham stood by them under the tree while the men were eating, taking upon himself the posture of a servant. Abraham treats these men with incredible dignity and honor. Again, like I said before, he seems to know that these men are divine. Now, what would be really nice is to know how Abraham figured that all out, but there's not enough details in the text to provide an answer here. What's also interesting to consider is that if he didn't know at this point, if he didn't know that these men were divine, but merely treated them in this customary way with this level of dignity, with this level of dignity, that would be really interesting. Because in Hebrews 13, 2, for instance, the author of Hebrews seems to imply as such. It says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And that phrase, entertaining them unawares, seems to imply that, that Abraham perhaps didn't know. That definitely gives us some pause in terms of how we're called to treat other people, strangers in our midst. And certainly, I think we should at least pause and consider how generous and caring we treat one another as well in the body of Christ. So then, going back to this text, why did the Lord come? Different reasons, I think, are provided in the text, but one seems to be that he goes to tell Abraham and Sarah about the fulfillment of the covenant, that Sarah would have a child. So far from the previous text in Genesis, we know that God has been telling and promising Abraham a lot, an entire nation of descendants, land, etc. But there's been no timetable set all somewhat ambiguous in the time frame. So here God comes to provide more details. And I found this particular commentary helpful. It says this, When the Lord was ready to specify the fulfillment of the covenantal promise, he came in person and ate in Abraham's tent. Nothing could be more significantly communicate their close relationship. It's a wonderful portrait of God. So one thing I thought about was how after God makes his covenant with Abraham promising him a son, there is a long period of waiting where the promised son did not come. In between, Ishmael was born when Abraham was 86 years old, and now he is close to 100 years old. So at least 14 years have passed since that promise, and still no child came. Sarah was at least 90 years old, and it was physically impossible for her to have children, as the text makes clear. So it makes sense, it's relatable, that she would laugh uh, when she heard that she would have a child. And in response, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? So how does this apply to us? I was thinking about situations that seem hopeless, that seem impossible to change. Oftentimes it's something that has not changed for many years. Maybe it's a mom, dad, or sibling who you've tried to share the gospel with, but is still closed off after 10 or 20 plus years. I know I felt like that about my own dad, who's been closed off to the gospel and is now really into the Gnostic gospels and other conspiracy theories and is unwilling to listen to any other perspective. 
at first in undergrad I had hope and tried to give him books and try to talk to him but as he remained unwilling to listen and very hearted over the years um, it's been a struggle to um, to keep up that sense of hope for him and to pray for him even because uh, sometimes I feel like the situation will never change or another situation could be your own persistent character issues that you've been struggling with keeps hurting other people um, you get feedback about it um, you've tried to change but it maybe it's been a decade or more and you haven't seen much progress or it could be ministry you know feeling like you've tried and made a lot of effort but there's not much fruit to show for it so I think this story of Abraham and Sarah and this time of waiting on God's promise really speaks to us at times when we feel hopeless. God comes and says to Abraham and Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? The question for us is, are we willing to trust God during those desert times when it seems like there is no hope even? I was also struck by how God came in person to Abraham and Sarah, as Will mentioned, to deliver the news um, that they would have a son next year. I think this is a picture of God's relational nature, his personal love and care for Abraham and Sarah, who have been waiting for the promise. It shows that he has not forgotten them. As Andrew just mentioned, there is this incredible picture of relationship between Abraham, Sarah, as well as God. But we know from here that not only does God come to tell Abraham and Sarah about their coming child, he also comes, as it says in verse 21, to personally see whether the outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah is as he has heard. It's as if God is saying, I'm going to go investigate. But there's something that's actually, I think, in my opinion, even more interesting is the fact that he involves Abraham. God comes in verse 17 and says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? But of course, it's purely rhetorical because he then tells Abraham what he's about to do. So God seems to invite Abraham to be involved. Hey, I'm about to do something right here and I'm going to let you in on it. Why does God do that? That's one of the questions I think that's truly uh, difficult to answer. But what it does seem to show is that Abraham does exactly that. He gets involved. In fact, he negotiates with God and God listens. Abraham in this text is so interesting because he keeps pointing to God's justice and says, you know, if you do this thing, what will that say about your justice? And God seems to relent upon listening about his own character. There's so much to be said about this, but in the end, I think one takeaway is that God wants us to be involved and he wants us to intercede on behalf of others. It's really interesting that God says to Abraham that he is going to be a blessing to the nations. Maybe this is what it means for him to be a blessing to others, that he would care for them, even intercede for them, cry out for them, for God's justice, but as well as for God to relent and show grace. So I think about for our own personal roles, that's something that God calls us to be as well. So throughout this text, we see this incredible picture of God's relationship with Abraham, with Sarah, his keeping of his covenant, as well as his involvement of Abraham in the ministry that he's about to do. So this picture of God that we get to see is quite incredible. Hope you guys have a good day. Bye-bye.